Y'all see my cue? I have to listen for Lavanda to slow down just a little bit. And she starts slowing down. That's when you got to go. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The title of the message, and I sent this to you early in the week so you could start getting, getting looking at it, was Wise Men Still Seek Him. Wise men still seek him and say, well, Carrie, Christmas is over with, and you're still preaching on Christmas. Well, we're going we're gonna to cover the passive scripture about wise men. When I studied, I'm thinking, where does this fit in? When can you preach the, the wise, the passive on the wise men? Because it's so important. The word wise is important to us. But, but certainly, we're going to look at it this morning. When you think about the wise men found in the Bible, you automatically think about Christmas. When we talk about wise men, you automatically associate that with Christmas, with the Christmas story. Many people associate the reason that we give gifts at Christmas is because the wise man gave gifts to Jesus Christ. And we know there were some types of gifts, but a lot of people do that. That's not biblical. There's no scriptural supporting that. But many people say that that's why we give gifts to each other at Christmas. Um, the misconception of that is the fact that the wise men didn't come to the birth of Jesus Christ. The wise men weren't at the manger. The wise men didn't come to a, a period of time after that. You might be saying, well, what in the world is he talking about? You know, we had wise men on the nativity up here. We have wise men in our Christmas cards on the nativity. When you see, you see, always see the wise men, the kings that are there associated around it. But let's look at the scripture and what the scripture says about it. We don't know about the timeline there. But what we do know is that the Bible says that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were staying in a house when the wise men arrived. They were in a house when the wise men arrived. The word wise, let's look at this. We're going to break this down. The word wise, we're going to look at it, and we're going to look at the word wisdom. And they're not derivatives of each other, but they have very similarities to each other. And I'm going to put them together for you. I'm going to use them in our passage this morning. The word wise is described as having or showing experience or knowledge and using good judgment. Would you agree with that? Having good judgment, using good judgment, being wise associates with that. It's a little crowded up here, isn't it? It's okay, all right? But using good judgment. Would you say that people are wise when they use good judgment? Would you say they're unwise when they don't use good judgment? Wise person is someone who is able to use the experience and knowledge that they have in order to make sensible decisions and good judgment. When we think about that, you know, an example is... is, is uh, when, when someone touches us, when someone teaches us, these are all things that are important to us. Let me give you an example. This, if you touch fire and it burns you, do you touch it again? Does that make you wise? Let me give you another one. This is really, try this at home if you want to. Take your tongue and touch it to an ice cube. Anybody want to try that one? Have you ever done that? Anybody ever done that? Y'all. This, we're in church now. You can't be telling stories like that. Those are unwise choices, unwise decisions. We tend to, to place people who are wise with age. We seem to think that the, the older we are, the more whiter our hair gets, the more wisdom we have. And we associate wise with age. The secular world will tell you that wisdom comes from life experiences and aging. And as we get older, we become wiser, so to speak. And there's a certain amount of truth to that. But that's all worldly wisdom. That's all secular wisdom, worldly wisdom. All right, we look at some things together. We all want to be wise, and we all want to make good decisions, and we want all the people around us to be wise. We want all the people around us to make good decisions as well, and we want to all do this together. All right, the word wise is associated with the word wisdom. It's safe to say that wise people have wisdom. 
and a certain amount of wisdom, all right? It's safe to say that. But true wisdom comes from who? God. True wisdom comes from the Word of God. It comes from God. True wisdom is gained by having a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's how we gain true wisdom, by being in the Word of God, by studying the Word of God, by putting it and saturating it into our lives by scripture memorization. That's how we gain true wisdom. True wisdom comes from being in God's word and growing closer to him each and every day. Now, the Bible has made several references about wise men in the Old Testament, New Testament. There's a lot of references about wise men in the Bible. Who was the wisest of all men? Solomon's in the Old Testament scripture, the wisest of all men. He asked God to give him wisdom. That's what he wanted, not anything else, but he wanted wisdom. Wise men are referred to in several passages of scripture throughout the Bible, not just in the Christmas story. In the Old Testament, the Bible tells us and makes reference to wise men giving counsel to Pharaoh. When you go back to Exodus chapter 7, verse 11, we know that, that Moses and Aaron were there and that, that Pharaoh was there and that he threw down a staff. It turned into a serpent. And it says that, that oh, Pharaoh called the wise men. It also says he called the sorcerers and the magicians to come as well. But he called the wise men because he wanted to understand how is this possible. The sorcerers and magicians came. They threw down their staff too. They turned into serpents. Well, what happened to their serpents? It's Bible trivia. They got eight. All right, exactly. All right, so they called the wise men together. All right, in the New Testament, wise men are specifically related to the Christmas story. Even though they were not at the birth of Jesus Christ, they are linked to the Christmas story because of the close proximity of the time that they approached Jesus Christ to the time they got to him, to the time they came to seek him out and to worship him. They're associated to the Christmas story because of that timeline that takes place. Now, let's look a little bit further. The wise men are linked to the Christmas story because they were looking for Jesus, because they sought him out, just like the the shepherds did, just like all the other people did. They were looking for Jesus, and they found him. They sought him out, and they found him. The biblical understanding of a wise man is, this is it, someone who is not only a hearer of the word, but also what? A doer of the word. James 1.22 says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. That's what we're talking about. That's the understanding of a wise man. Someone not only hears the word, but acts on the word, who's a doer of the word. The wise men heard God's word, and they got heard his instructions, and they acted on it. They, they followed the star. They, they knew he was, they were to go and see the baby Jesus. The same thing with Mary. She heard God's word through the instructions of Gabriel, and she acted on it. She was not just someone who heard the word, but she was a, a doer of the word. Same thing with Joseph. Same thing with, if you go back and look at Abraham, all these people in the Bible who heard the word of God, who acted on the word of God, and who were obedient to the word of God. Amen? Christmas. Christmas is over. It's kind of sad, isn't it? I think it's sad. We start breaking stuff down. Christmas tree back there is bare with no ornaments on it. Just sitting back there. Christmas is over, and you may have already gotten rid of your Christmas tree. I mean, some people might have got rid of that rascal on Tuesday. Can you, y'all? You can get rid of those. We still shining Christmas lights, ain't we, Christmas trees? Hmm? Lord. May have taken down, gotten rid of your poinsettias that were struggling to hang on. We dished them things out last Sunday night. Everybody was here was taking a poinsettia out the door because they needed some TLC. 
And you may have stopped listening to Christmas music. Let me tell you, I wanted to hear some more this morning. I thought Brother Wesley was going to bring us a little more this morning. But he played Victory in Jesus for me. I know that was, for, that was selected. I appreciate that. But the truth is, you may have stopped listening, but here's the truth. The Christmas story is just as significant this week as it was last week. Amen? Just as significant this week as it was last week. It's a, a change of atmosphere. I mean, we can't sing those Christmas songs. I was singing one to Patty coming down here to the church this morning. I said, can I still sing Christmas music? She said, you can sing what you want. She used to have me, you know, we was locked in Thanksgiving, New Year's Day. Boom, it's over with in between that. But anyhow, Christmas is just important this week as it was last week. And wise men and women need to be seeking Jesus today. We celebrated the birthday of Jesus Christ last Sunday in the church. Man, Sunday morning was awesome. Uh, a good turnout Sunday night was, it was just phenomenal. I was so uh, happy with Sunday night, and, and the, the attendance we had was great, but the program was awesome. And we celebrated that on Sunday, and then we celebrated the birth of Jesus again on Monday in our homes. You know, it, it, families got together, and even after that, but, but we celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, here's my challenge to you this morning. We need to be seeking him today and every day going forward, 2024 and beyond. We don't need to stop looking for him. And that's why I said wise men still seek him. And we need to make sure that every single day we're seeking out Jesus. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning as we open up Matthew chapter 2 starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his light, his correction, we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked him where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written in the, by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who, is shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men, and he asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing this, the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star that had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and his, his mother, and falling on their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another way. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. The wise men listed in this passage of Scripture referred to 
by the Greek term magi. And that's what they were referred to as, as magi. They were, were kings. They were wise men. They were considered oriental astrologists who studied the stars. They were people who studied the heavenly bodies. They were smart individuals because of what they studied. They were ones who were intended to give counsel. They were wise men. They, they sought out to understand the events of the time. They were considered to be wise men because they had wisdom they had knowledge, and they did what? They used good judgment in their decision-making. They were able to give wise counsel. We've studied that many times before. They offered counsel on the events that were taking place in the world. When you had something that was hard to understand, that these men would, would study it, and they would help to understand that. They offered wise counsel. Here's a specific. They were Gentiles and not Jews. Jesus came to be the king of the Jews, and these wise men were not Jewish. They were Gentile men. They were men who had a specific calling that had been placed on their life. They were called by God to come and see. Come and see this baby Jesus. Come and see the Messiah. Come and see. Those three words are so significant. You know, Jesus used those words throughout his ministry. Come and see where I live. Come and see where I'm staying. Come and see the love that God has for you. He used those same words, and these are the same phrase that the wise men got when, when God played it upon them, when he showed the light to them, and when the star lit up for them to follow, just to come and see. Jason, I want you to use that second slide for me. The Bible gives us three important facts about the wise men. These are things you might want to write down. I want to give you some facts. They're easy facts, and they're same facts that we should be using today. When you think about it, we all want to be wise. We want to be wise men and women, all right? These are the same facts that they followed, all right? Let's look at them together. First, they were looking for the king of the Jews. Man, we need to be looking for Jesus. We need to be looking for his second return. We need to be seeking him out every day. We need to looking for Jesus. That doesn't change from the wise man to today's person, to today's uh, Christian. Number two, they had seen and followed the light that God provided. It was a star. It was lit up. It was illuminated, but it was the light. They saw the light, and they followed the light. Let me ask you something. Who is the light? of the world. Jesus Christ. We need to be seeking him out. We need to see the light. We need to follow the light. We need to move the way he wants us to move. We need to be acting the way he wants us to act. And we need to be following his guidance when he's leading us whichever direction he's leading us. Number three, they wanted to worship Jesus because of who he was. He was the Messiah. He's the son of God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the Messiah that's come to save the world. They wanted to worship him. Let me ask you something. Do we come to church to worship Jesus? Do we come to church to glorify the Father? Is that the reason we're here? We come for a, a social reason? Do we come for anything other than making sure that we glorify the Father? Silence. That's where you throw amen. Did y'all know preachers thrive off of amen? That helps them? Y'all didn't know that? Amen? That's roll. Church. These three facts are just as relevant to people today. They're just as relevant as they were to the wise man who followed him to the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, look at this. From the very beginning, Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. He didn't come for a select group of people. He didn't come for just the Jewish people. He didn't come for just the Gentile people. He came for to be the Savior of the world. He came for, here's some things. He came for the Jews. He came for the Gentiles. He came for the Samaritans. Terry just shared that with you from the pulpit this morning. Him and Kathy did talking about the Samaritans. He came for the Samaritans and every other person. He came for Hebrew speaking, Aramaic speaking, Greek speaking, English speaking, and every other language on this planet. Amen? 
He came for the whole world. He came for all people. That's what the Bible tells us. He came for all people. He came for all people. Think of this. Think of the event that took place with the Samaritan people who following Jesus Christ at that time when Jesus had the encounter with the woman at the well. Think of the things that took place after that. Jason, you can show that third slide. John 4, verses 39 through 42. Here's here's something that supports the fact that Jesus Christ came for all people. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. He stayed with them for two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told, and they told the woman, here we go, we no longer believe because of what you said since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. They heard it. They heard it from Jesus Christ. They heard it from, from his own mouth. He's the Savior of the world. Now, let's look at a few things. There's two misconceptions that we need to clear up about the wise man who sought out Jesus. I know I'm going I'm to just clear these up, and you're going to be, he doesn't know, have a clue what he's talking about. But I want to clear these two misconceptions up. First, the Bible does not specifically tell us how many wise men were there. At the, at, the, at the time they encountered Jesus Christ. Now, if you were here last Sunday night, how many wise men do we have up singing, Brother Wesley? Six, seven. We had a good group, didn't we? Huh? The Bible doesn't say there was three wise men, even though we look at that. It doesn't tell us where they came from. It doesn't tell us what their names were. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we've traversed afar. I had to look that up. What's the word traversed mean? Traveled, maybe? All right. That's an awesome Christmas carol. It's an awesome Christmas carol. It's an example of men who wanted to see Jesus and wanted to seek him out and wanted to worship him. When we look at that, all right, we don't know how many kings there were. We don't know how many wise men there were. We don't know how many magi there were. From the three gifts in Matthew 2, verse 11, some people have assumed there were three kings of Orient who came from the east. That's what it said. They came from the east. But we just assume there was three kings because there were three specific gifts that were given. We know there were three types of gifts that were given. But we don't know how many types and how many gifts that were given. Don't misunderstand that. We know it was frankincense. We know it was myrrh. We know it was gold. But we don't know how how much of it was. We know the three types. We don't know the quantities of the gifts that were given. Let's look, look a little bit further now. We know there was at least three wise men there who presented the gifts. But we don't know exactly the number who was traveling along with this caravan. Because here's the thing. The history shows that when this caravan entered into Jerusalem... It caused an uproar in the whole city. Now, you tell me three individuals are going to cause an uproar in the whole city? This was a, quite a caravan of people who came together uh, to worship Jesus Christ, right? So we know that it troubled the whole city. Number two, the wise men were not present at the nativity. They weren't at the nativity, even though we put them in the nativity scene, even though we, we associate them with, with being there at the manger. They weren't there. The wise men were not there at the manger. The Bible tells us that by the time that these wise men arrived, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were living in a house. Verse 11 says this, entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling on their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He was in the house. He wasn't in the manger anymore. He wasn't in the cave or however you want to look at it. The wise men were seeking the true king, the true wisdom that goes with the the word of God. These wise men were smart people. They knew what to look for. They knew where they were going to go to find it. They were seeking the true king, Jesus Christ. Look at the connections here. 
Herod was afraid of the true king, and he wanted to destroy him. Completely opposite. Herod was another one of those individuals like we talked about with Caesar Augustus a couple weeks ago. Somebody who thought he was in control. Somebody who who ruled by power, who ruled by fear. He was somebody who was very similar to, to Caesar Augustus. History says he was referred to as Herod the Great. That's where I had a problem when I, when I read and I was studying that. Herod the Great. When you think about the word great, what do you associate it with? Good, most high, something that's great. When you think about Herod the Great, there ain't nothing good about Herod the Great. I don't know if you studied much about him. Even though he possessed a significant amount of worldly power, I'm not sure the word great is, is, is specific or something that should be used with a tyrant. Because that's exactly what he was. He was a cruel individual who allowed no one, not even his own family, to interfere with his rule or to stand with his own way of satisfying his own life. He was married nine times, killed one of his wives and her two brothers because he thought they were, they were uh, working against him. What kind of an individual is that? Bible indicates Herod was crafty. He was evil. He was a manipulator. Can you think of any other figure in the Bible that's referred to as crafty? evil and manipulator oh yeah I asked Patty that this morning in, 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 in Genesis 4 he's listed as cunning which is another word for crafty same thing you look at this this individual had to be full of him okay the Bible shows that the Bible says that he secretly that Herod secretly summoned the, the wise men together his form was to manipulate them and he didn't want to worship Jesus Christ. He just wanted to know where he was. He was threatened by him. He secretly called him together. He asked him the timing of the star. And this is all the, the timeline that goes on after the birth now. He asked him the timing of the star. He told him to carefully search out for the child. Find him. Search out for him and find him. And then come back to me and let me know where he is because I want to go worship him too. I want to worship him too. I want to see this would-be king of the Jews. I want to worship him as well. In addition to the time that it took for the wise men to travel to Bethlehem to see Jesus, Herod sought to kill all male children two years of age and younger. We're talking about 24 months of time here. We don't know how long it took the wise men to get to him, but by the time Herod found out they weren't coming back to tell him, he's going to execute every Jewish male child under 24 months in hopes to eradicate and get rid of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the, the, the travesty that goes along with that? We don't know how long it took the wise men to travel and see Jesus. What we do know is that Herod uh, realized that the wise men weren't coming back, and he used this timeline to, to create havoc in this country. The journey of the wise men took, uh, that they took gives us an example of a good lesson of finding the will of God. It, it also gives us a good lesson of being idiot. Uh, be not an idiot. <laughs> being obedient to the will of God. I'm glad y'all are forgiving. <laughs> It's a good group of people I got here because sometimes, sometimes it comes out and it's like not registered up here or something. Yeah? The journey of the wise men took, it gives us a good example of how long it took. It gives us a good example of people responding to God's word, word and to what he wants them to do when he places a call in their life. And that word response, we ever talk about responding or response? You know, when God places a call in your life, you've got to respond to that call. You know, I'm not just called into the ministry. I'm called into to be a servant of God. I'm called to be a witness. I'm called to be someone who shares the gospel. I'm called to be someone who ministers to the needs of people. 
spiritual and physical needs. These are all things that God plays a call on life. When, when we become a Christian, it's not just, hey, I checked that box, now I'm good to go. That's where we get to work. When you become a Christian, that's when it's time to, to go to work, all right? Just look at this. The wise men followed the light that God gave them. Followed the light that God gave them. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how God started out with the light of the world coming into a dark world, and then he gave some wise men a light to find the light of the world? And he showed them exactly the thing. He, uh, we look at this, the light that he gave them. The, uh, the wise men confirmed their steps by the word of God. They knew the word of God. They confirmed their steps by the word of God. They obeyed the word of God, and he led them every step of the way. Now, they found the true king, and the ultimately what they did was bow before him and worship him. They found him, they worshiped him, and they gave him the gifts that they, they had brought. And here's what was important. Don't forget this. They sought him out. They found him. And they worshiped him. But then the Bible says that when they left, they went a different way because they were told to go a different way home. But let me tell you something. When they left, they were changed individuals. Amen? They weren't the same wise men that they were before they got there. When they, when they bowed before Jesus Christ, when they were at the foot of Jesus, when they, when they saw the Son of God, it changed their life, and it changed them drastically. It changed them dramatically, just like he's still in the life-changing business today. They went a different way, but yet they were truly changed. Truth, worse, true worship cannot be contained. It cannot be contained. The wise men had traveled an incredible distance for perhaps up to as long as two years. We don't know exactly, but they came for the purposes of worship in Jesus. Now, you look at this. God put the wise in the wise men. He put the wise in them. He put the wisdom in them. He put the wise in the wise men. They knew Jesus was worth the journey, just like we know he's worth the journey, which is the most likely a long, inconvenient camel ride through the desert. When you think about the wise men and how long they traveled, it was probably a long, dusty ride on a camel. And I don't know that any of us ever rode on a camel, but can you imagine what this would have been like? Church, how much are you willing to be inconvenienced to worship the King of Kings? I ask you that. How much are you willing to be inconvenienced? You know, is it an inconvenience for you to worship the King of Kings? How, what are you willing to go through? What are you willing to do to be able to worship the King of Kings? How badly do you want to seek him out? The Bible says that the wise man went home a different way. And I'm going to tell you something. Anyone who comes to Jesus Christ and places their faith and trust in him will go home a different way, amen? There'll be a new creation, a born-again believer. Let me tell you something. This whole thing about the wise men, the whole thing about the Christmas story is all because God loves us unconditionally, amen? He loves us without question. He shows it more and more times. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not, should not, could not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8 says this, By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. We needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, came in for that purpose. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man, sin is a, a barrier. Man, it's a separation between us and God. We can't get to him. He can't get to us. And there had to be a solution, and God provided it through Jesus Christ by sending his son to this world to step out of heaven, to step on this earth, to live 33-plus years, to walk the dusty road all the way to the cross for you and me. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how old or young you are, doesn't matter where you are in your social ladder, 
doesn't matter. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God will forgive you, and he'll write your name in the Lamb's, Lamb's Book of Life. Friends, I tell you this every week because it's important to me. When our time on this earth is over and our time on this earth is short, whether you live 20 years or 100 years, it doesn't matter. It's a short time when you compare it to eternity. And where you spend eternity is going to be determined on where you, the decisions that you make on this world on this day. And if I hope that you'll make that uh, d- decision today if you haven't already made. Maybe today you want to make sure and know without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Romans 10, 9. This is one of my favorite passages, and I never preach without speaking about this one. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Just like it was said before, it's very simple. God didn't make it complicated for us. He made it very simple. It's strictly just turning it over. It's called repentance. It's called about changing direction. It's turning it off. It's inviting Jesus Christ into your heart, making him the Lord of your life, making sure that he is in charge from here on out, and then agreeing to follow him and his lead and letting him lead. It's just that simple. Maybe today you want to make sure and know without a shadow of doubt that you'll spend time and eternity with Jesus Christ, and this will be a time for you to dwell on this morning. In a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. If you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about, I'll be down front, and I'd love to share more with you about him, whatever the decision. Maybe there's others in our congregation that are dealing with issues that might just need to bring them to the altar, where the altar is always open. Our deacons are here. Our deacons will pray with you. I'll pray with you. Whatever the decision is to be made, you make it. Now, the invitation is not simply just something we tack on the end of the service. It is a time of reflection. It's a time when you just need to, to, you can close your eyes or whatever you want to do, but you just need to talk with the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let him move in your life. Let him help you, lead you. Sometimes it's just redirection. Sometimes it's refocus. Sometimes we need to say, hey, it hasn't been quite like I wanted it to be. 2023 didn't really turn out like I wanted it to. I didn't really walk the walk like I I should have. I want to turn it over and want to make sure that 2024 turns a, a different leaf. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, God, he stands there waiting. You know, you could think, here's the thing about, about God. You reach up as high as you can, he'll reach down the rest of the way. Amen. Thank you. Father God, just come before you this, this morning. God, just thank you for who you are. Thank you for the power in your word. God, just thank you for the love that you show us daily. And God, as we close out this year, God, just... Thank you for, for what 2023 has been for, for Pine Hill, God, the ministry that it's had. And God, I just pray for 2024. God, I pray that you enhance it. God, that we're able to, to minister to those in need. And God, that we share the love the way you want us to share it. Father, if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, God, I just pray that you would move among us and let us feel your presence. These things I ask. In your son's precious and holy name, amen.